This is What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this episode, I have Jen Malone, whose newest book, The Arrival of Someday, comes out on July the 23rd from Harper Teen. And Jen has written many books, from younger kids to YA, and this book, she explains, uh, The Arrival of Someday, uh, was very different for her, uh, and you'll hear why. So listen in. So, Jen, what book hooked you? Ah, okay. So I'm not sure if... I'm going to give you two answers. I'm going to give you a book and a method, actually. Um, Because when I was about four and a half, my mother um, used and probably wasn't officially hooked on phonics because I don't even know if that existed then, but a version of phonetic teaching to teach me how to read. And I have really vivid early memories of of laying on her bed with her at night and flipping through index cards that had letters on them. Um, And I, I had just... Uh, had a little sister introduced uh, to the household. So it was really treasured one-on-one time with my mom. And it also allowed me to skip kindergarten because I could already read at that point. And so from very early on, I was always given the message that I was special because of my reading and that it was kind of my superpower and made me um, was, was kind of something that set me apart from the other kids. And so I really embraced that as part of my identity, and it turned me into a lifelong reader, um, and now writer, of course, just because of uh, the way that it always had a really special place in my life and my self-identity as well. Mm. But if we're talking strictly books, um, one of the very early ones that I remember reading, again, with my mother um, on her bed, alternating chapters that we read out loud, was E.B. White's The Trumpet of the Swan. And that I still have that exact copy. And every so often I go back and revisit it. And I don't want anyone to tell me anything bad about E.B. White or that book. Nothing problematic, please, because uh, I cling to that one. That's great. And so that's a, that's a great little story of, of, you know, sharing time with your mother, especially with, yeah. the, with the newborn sibling. I totally mm-hmm. get that. And so it sounds like, you know, that really kind of was the spark for you. Uh, you were a big reader. So beyond just Trumpet of the Swan, Mm -hmm. uh, at that age, was there something like a series or some other types of books that you kind of always were gravitating towards, uh, always kind of interested in topic or theme, whatever it may be? Yeah. And it's interesting because it's so much a part of what I write now. I always gravitated towards funny contemporary stories. So I loved all of the Ramona books. I loved anything Beverly Cleary. Um, And I find that when I, especially when I first started writing, uh, that, that I had that sort of pacing and style and humor in the back of my mind as I wrote, because those, for me, that was middle grade. Mm, Yeah. And then as you uh, grew up, uh, Mm -hmm. moving into your teenage years, your YA years, yes. uh, what was reading still as important or did kind of adolescence, social life, school, just in general, kind of get in the way and, and reading kind of slowed down during that time period? Yeah, so it's interesting. Reading never slowed down for me, which um, I have three teenagers myself now, and I see how that transition happens. Of course, we didn't have smartphones and YouTube and <laughs> and all of those other exciting things. Um, so whatever was on TV was what you had to 
watch and it wasn't always something you were interested in. So I, I definitely stuck with books. Um, but I also, um, when I was 40, was diagnosed with ADHD and have now come to realize in sort of working through all of that, um, that I definitely use books as a way to escape in a, a way that was socially acceptable. When I was overwhelmed and overstimulated, I would disappear into a book. And, you know, what parent is going to say, put down your book. Sure. It's not quite like put down the video game. So my parents always encouraged it and loved that. And it gave me a really easy escape that I didn't realize at the time was a way to sort of shut out the rest of the world and, and um, you know, let myself come back from the, that overstimulation. And so then at what point did the idea, because you were such a big reader, at what point did the idea of wanting to create stories of your own really come into play? Yeah, so I would say it ebbed and flowed. Um, I was definitely a big writer as a little, little kid, you know, early elementary school. And But uh, I remember being in third grade, so maybe eight. Um, I was a little younger because I had skipped kindergarten, so I was a little younger than the other kids. But um, I won a, a contest in our elementary school for the best Halloween short story. And the prize, which I considered a terrible punishment, was that you got to uh, read the story over the morning announcements after the Pledge of Allegiance. And I was a really shy kid. So sure. for me, that was so intimidating and so vulnerable that I remember having sleepless nights over it. I never told a teacher or a parent or anything. I'm sure they would have let me off the hook. But um, I did it. It went fine. But interestingly, I sort of can pinpoint that experience to when I transitioned from writing short stories to um, not and becoming more interested in middle school and high school in journalism, which is what I went to college for, and then switch majors halfway through to do copywriting for um, advertising. So always writing, mm -hmm. but not necessarily always writing stories. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until my youngest was learning to read in kindergarten, I have to say, we did not do the note cards on, on my bed. She would never have had the patience for that. Uh, but she was learning to read in kindergarten. And there was literally one afternoon where I just said, wouldn't it be fun to write her a little story that she could read to me at bedtime now that she can read instead of one of our picture books? And I had no idea at the time that that was going to spark such a big transition in my life. Yeah. With reading, uh, when you became more of a young adult, do you remember uh, some of the big books, some of the books that you really gravitated towards, you really loved uh, during that time in your life? <laughs> yes, they were all the sex books <laughs> because I I was so curious as a, a teen um, and that was my way of sort of asking the questions that I was too shy uh, to ask anywhere else and um, and it was a very safe place to sort of explore those questions. So I remember Judy Bloom's Forever um, as being one that I really read and reread. Um, Clan of the Cavewoman, that whole series was really captivating to me. And I, I didn't really remember at the time that it, it had so much explicit romance um, and graphic romance, but, um, but it, it did. And um, that was also, there wasn't young adult 
mm-hmm. fiction, really. I mean, I remember Judy Bloom had some Tiger Eyes, but there wasn't a lot that was, there certainly wasn't a category in the library that was called young adult fiction. So I was 12 when I was reading Stephen King, um, and definitely all of my grandmother's um, books, whenever I went to visit her, she had all the Danielle Steeles and pretty PG rated, I would say, romances, but more than I had been exposed to um, at that point. So it was definitely a peek into an adult world that I really didn't see in my day to day life that was really intriguing to me. I, I was very curious about it. And so you had mentioned that your first idea to, as an adult, into creative mm-hmm. writing, because you were doing writing uh, professionally. Yeah. Uh, was for you know the idea of a book uh, for your child, and so did. How did you then dive in? Did you really, you know, <laughs> write up something, come up with an idea, and then do the research, or how did kind of what was your kind of journey through that? Yeah, I would say in the best possible way in hindsight, because it was a hundred percent accidental. So I I sat down one afternoon, I had this little idea. Um, that I don't remember it now where it came from, what what was sort of the instigator for it. But I had this little idea about a girl who was um, upset that the penny was going to be eliminated from currency or possibly because her name was Penny and she identified strongly with it. And she was little, just like a penny was little, and she felt like it should get more respect. So that was the germ of the idea. And, um, and I sat down to write, as I said, just a short story. And it was one of those experiences where time stopped. You know, you look up three hours later and you think, when did it get dark out? Um, And I have ADHD, so my brain is going constantly. That doesn't happen very often for me. So it was just a a relief um, and really captivating. And I didn't want to stop. So the next day I said, well, I'm going to just add to the story. And, And little by little every day, mostly just to have that feeling of time stopping and getting so deep into something that you were just completely consumed with it. Um, I added to this story until maybe a month and a half later, I looked up and said, I think I accidentally wrote a book. I didn't write a short story. And I never still never have written a short story. Um, But but I accidentally wrote a book, which I have to say is a really great way to do it, especially the first time because it's a daunting task to sit down with a, you know, a blank page and a cursor blinking at you and know that you have 200 pages or 300 pages um, to write. And so doing it accidentally and falling into it always allowed me to say, well, I did it once, so I know I can do it. Now I have to do it again. And I still say that to this day. It's still daunting to open up a new document and start a new book. But, but now, of course, I've done it many times, so I can sure. build on that. Absolutely. And your latest attempt at that is... Mm-hmm. The Arrival of Someday, which comes out on July 23rd yes. from Harper Teen. So let's start talking about that and give sure. me the synopsis of what the book's about. Hmm. So, um, so this book is a little bit of a departure for me because my books previously have been very plot driven and this one is very character driven. Um, as a, a quick synopsis, it is about a girl who is um, extremely confident, kind of a badass, and she finds out one day, sort of very much out of the blue and unexpectedly, that a liver disease that she was born with that has not affected her life thus far has flared up. And now she is, although she's not experiencing a lot of symptoms, she's in pretty dire need of a liver in order to survive. And so it's this girl who's really 
never questioned herself very much because she's always just charged ahead and been very confident, suddenly coming to terms with vulnerability and fragility for the first time. And so it really explores what the difference is between bravado, which she certainly has a lot of, and and bravery, which which I interpret as allowing yourself to be vulnerable is braver than putting up this this front, which is something that she recognizes she's been doing. And so then with this book, when you kind of approach the story, what was that initial idea that got you started with it? Yeah, so the initial idea for this one, I can easily pinpoint. Um, about 10 years ago, uh, there was a newspaper article in just my small town's local newspaper about a uh, teen who died when oh, she was 20. Um, so she had a liver disease, a different one than the character in this book, but, um, and was awaiting a liver transplant and actually died on the day that one was finally found for her. And I just was so struck with the irony that she got this liver finally and, and died just before they could transplant it. But what I found in my research was that that's actually not very uncommon, Mm -hmm. um, that it happens quite frequently uh, because there's sort of this dance between someone needs to be sick enough to merit kind of climbing the list, um, if you want to phrase it that way, in order to be eligible to receive a, a organ. But there's a point where they're too sick to receive it. And often those lines blur. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned how this was uh, departure for you, uh, being more character driven. At what mm-hmm. point through the process did you realize that that was the case? When I was rewriting it for the third time, (laughs) Um, I mean, certainly early on as well, because I I will say that the more books that I write, the more I've kind of transitioned from that first book, which was entirely written by the seat of my pants, to plotting out ahead of time, um, at, at least the big plot points. And with this one, that was harder to do because... In my earlier books, there's been a mystery um, to solve or there's been a road trip. And so at least I have those. Well, now they're going to move from Amsterdam to Vienna. Um, I need to get them there somehow. So there were things that were driving the plot along. And in this book, there really was just the thing that was driving the plot along was that she needed there was a ticking clock on on her life. Um, But that doesn't necessarily lend itself to natural plot points, per Mm -hmm. se. So I had to really change my entire writing style. And it was a big challenge. But I have an editor who really went above and beyond what an edit, well, what today's editors uh, roles generally are in working with me a lot in the plotting process and the drafting processes. Normally, you sort of turn something into an editor when it's a a pretty polished, um, revised first draft, and they work with you from there. But she was with me really from day one on this, which was incredible. So shout out to Alyssa Mule. And so because you've written so many books, and I'm sure you felt like you had some sort of process in all of this, was it very jarring? Was there a lot of panic when you came to this project and it was just completely different than what you were used to, essentially? Yes, um, all of the above, because the other thing that I was wrestling with throughout is um, I'm I'm not going to give any big plot twists away, but it's a darker book. Um, Certainly, it's still light in that I hope that readers of my other young adult novels particularly will sort of find a, a similar voice and a lightness to the tone of the story. And there's humor in there as well. But at the end of the day, the character is wrestling with literal life and death and kind of questioning 
what what it means to have lived a good life, even if that might not be a 100-year life. Um, so a lot of sort of what is the meaning of life questions that she's wrestling with, and that in itself is, of course, um, hard to to do or conceive of um, conceptually. I had to work out a lot of stuff for myself in writing this book. And um, so it was, but even just the process of working out sort of how to do that character-driven um, plot, I had to go back and really read a lot of craft books that I had not, different areas of the craft than I had focused on previously. And so I'm incredibly grateful for that process because I think that it makes has made me a better writer um except i also think it's broken me a little because now (laughs) i can't really i've had a hard time going back to sort of just the light and fluffy and so the other thing that i kind of wrestled with was what is my author brand and do i need to have an author brand and is that something that can authors evolve beyond what the marketplace might expect of them so my books thus far all have a similar light, fluffy, fun tone to them. And I've been proud of that because I think that even though those books don't tend to get a lot of critical acclaim, um, they're really necessary in the world. And, you know, they really offer a way to escape from some tough times and, and just a way to enjoy reading on a different level. It doesn't have to be you know, soul searching. It can just be a fun afternoon at the beach. And so I was happy to put those books out in the world, but this is, this tweaks that a little bit. And so I had to sort of ask myself those questions about, will my readers be disappointed because they're coming, expecting one thing and getting, getting something deeper. And when you talked about how you initially kind of thought of uh, writing the story uh, for Mm -hmm. your daughter, um, how then because it sounded like that was going to be a y- for younger kids. How then did you sort of transition and end up writing? Uh, not all of your books are YA, but many of your books have mm-hmm. ended up being for a YA audience. Yeah, I think that um, I think I started writing for that age. So, so we talked about what book hooked me as a kid, but I think what book hooked me into writing as opposed to reading was probably the Harry Potter series, which is a little cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, but when before we even had kids, um, my husband loves to listen to books on tape. And so I was his audiobook for many years. Um, we have a 130-year-old crumbling Victorian that uh, we bought as a true fixer-upper. And so shortly after, I got pregnant with twins and and was on bed rest and couldn't help much. But my contribution while he hammered and sawed and did all the heavy work was that I read him the entire series of Harry Potter, Mm. which is a big undertaking. (laughs) And then I did it again out loud for my twins when they were probably nine or so. And then once more for my daughter when she uh, was old enough. So having read those stories in that way as well, really reminded me how much I love children's literature, which I hadn't read in a long time. So that, I think, that age group and sort of that 12-year-old uh, that Harry is when he's, when the book starts was something that was very much on my mind. And when I thought about writing, that was the thing that really made me want to write for that age group was sort of the magic of that time period in someone's life. I think that my middle grade tends to skew on the older side of middle grade. So maybe more 11, 12, my characters tend to be 13 or so. And my young adults, it has been working older, but initially my first couple of young adults, I think were somewhat on the younger side of 
even though my characters may have been 16 and 17, I think they read the stories read just a little bit younger. So if there were such a thing, it, it exists in the UK, but not here in the US, if there were such a thing as young teen, um, that would probably be my sweet spot. So 14, 15 year olds, but we don't have that in our current book system. So um, it's unfortunate. I think there's a big audience that's getting missed. But I do think that my middle grade books are trying to get to that spot and my young adults are trying to age down to that spot. And, and so between the two, I've tried to find a, a medium in both spaces. And with your background as a copywriter, how do you feel that that training uh, has influenced your creative writing? <laughs> yeah, so I actually never worked as a copywriter, although I did, I did change my major to do that. But when I got out of school, the only job that I could get in an advertising agency was in their public relations side. And so um, accidentally fell into a really fun career where I worked for as a um, publicity and promotions person for several different movie studios were my clients. So I worked for 20th Century Fox and for Miramax and it actually influenced my writing in a huge way that I didn't appreciate until I really started studying the craft of writing. After I had written a book, I went back and said, now I need to actually learn how to fix this into an actual book. Um, and so that's when I started really revisiting the craft of writing. But what I realized was in that job, I was watching probably five or six movies a week mm -hmm. um, in a dark movie theater. Often it was just me. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it was me and a handful of, of uh, critics who were watching it early so that their reviews could run on opening day. And so I really had an experience where I was taking in, without even realizing it, the elements of plotting and a story arc and character development. And I, I often recommend, I, I do seminars and, um, and teach at conferences, and I often recommend to people that if you want to learn plotting, skip the books and go to movies because it's really difficult to sit down and read an entire book in one sitting. I mean, certainly people do it and I've done it, but it's much easier to sit down and, and watch a whole movie in one sitting. And then you can get the whole scope of, of the arc of the story um, as opposed to getting it in bits and pieces as you read chapters over a series of days or weeks. But for me, that really that type of storytelling has translated really well I hope, into my writing. And I often get people who will say, oh, this reads very cinematic. And I think it's because of that, the influence of all of those movies. Mm -hmm. And so because uh, you've written so many books, is there, are you juggling more than one project typically at a time when it comes to uh, creating your work? Um, not often in terms of drafting a story. I'm usually focusing, and I use that term loosely again, ADHD, <laughs> um, on one story at a time. But the thing that I really didn't anticipate, although I should have, I'm sure, is when you are writing one book, you're still, you still are, are working on the previous books because, you know, a book from, from idea or even from finishing that, that draft and turning it into your editor the process till it actually reaches a shelf can be a year or two. And so in that time, you're, you've likely moved on to other story ideas mm -hmm. and you might be completely enmeshed in them, but then you get a edit letter from your editor on the previous book or copy edits or first pass pages, um, or you need to sort of step away so that you can do promotion for that book. And so there are those different stories 
that you're working on at the same time, but maybe working on it in a different way, maybe not drafting separate stories at the same time. One thing that I uh, really take from from talking to you, and especially how you've mentioned uh, ADHD, I think, and this Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily a question, but so many times uh, we think of people that have ADHD as people that would not be big readers and therefore not be writers. And I think, you know, you're an example of of definitely shattering uh, that preconceived notion. And have you noticed the same sort of attitudes or is that has that ever been said to you before? It has. But but surprisingly, like I'm really surprised at how many author friends of mine also have ADHD. Mm. And the thing that I've learned about it, because I, you know, I was diagnosed when my daughter was, um, as I was filling out the you know, questionnaires for her evaluation process, I'm realizing, wait a minute, this is me. This is me it's describing. So um, so it was definitely much older um, when I was diagnosed. But, but what I've since learned is that similar to, and it's part of the autism spectrum, but similar to someone with autism, when there is a when there's something that really grabs your attention, it grabs it hard. Mm-hmm. And you can hyper-focus, and that's mm-hmm. pretty typical of someone with ADHD, you can hyper-focus on a particular passion and not have any issues with attention while you're doing those things. So I don't know if that, you know, for me, that's writing and reading mm-hmm. often as well. Um, it's also, for me, a way to shut down my brain, particularly reading to shut down my brain for a little bit and just allow it to escape into another world where there's not a constant to-do list and 14 other things running in the back of my brain. And my brain needs that rest that reading gives me. So um, I I really appreciate it for that as well. And I think it's been a really great asset to have that passion to be allowed to escape um, or able to escape into a story because I need that rest time. Mm, That's great. So let's wind down and I'll ask you a few questions uh, as we sure. do. The first one being, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Okay. I have not read the book. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> but my favorite movie that is based on a book is Shawshank Redemption. Mm. Um, and I know it's based on a Stephen King novella and I, I should try to find it and read it because I'm sure I would love it. But um, I adore that movie. So I'm going to go with that. Very good. And it's actually, I do enjoy that book because it also, Stand By Me, the movie Stand By Me. I have read that short story. I love that. It's in the, it was released in the same kind of, I think there's four novellas that were packaged together. Okay. And those two are in the same one. Yeah. So maybe I read it and forgot because it was so long ago. I I vividly remember Stand By Me, but I don't remember reading Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Next question. Is there a series or a single book that you're willing to admit you've either never read or never finished? Yeah. um, Lord of the Rings. I I know there are people who absolutely love it, and there are other fantasy novels that I really enjoy, but that one I just could never... I like dialogue, and so I, I kind of when there's really long descriptions of places or or things and I could not get into that one. Movie too, I have to say I fell asleep during the movie. My husband was elbowing me very upset with me, but still can't watch it. Sure. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? Mm. So um, I just finished an 
absolutely adored a book called A Tyranny of Petticoats, which is a series of short stories. It's an anthology of short stories that's edited by Jessica Spotswood. And its official title is A Tyranny of of Petticoats, 15 Stories of Bells, Bank Robbers, and Other Badass Girls. And um, so it's 15 very diverse writers writing about very different historical periods. And each one features a girl who was a standout, not necessarily a real person, but uh, a standout for that particular time period. And I loved getting to explore all those different, every story is just so different, but so incredibly good. Great. Well, Jen, The Arrival of Someday comes out on July the 23rd from Harbor Teen, and I wish you and this book all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And that's the end of this episode. I want to thank Jen Malone for joining me again. Her book, The Arrival of Someday, comes out on July 23rd from Harper Teen. And I hope you'll check out this book as well as many of her others. And I hope you'll check out some of the other episodes we have in the feed. I'm Brock Shelley. And until next time, keep reading.